<laughs> God, before I say another word this morning, I personally come before you, Lord, as a sinner who was saved by grace. God, as a life that was redeemed, Father, you found me in the pit and your arm was not short. And I just praise you and thank you with joy in my heart, with joy in my heart, God, with such gratitude. And as the years go by, Lord, I only grow more and more, God, in awe of you, in awe of you. We praise your holy name this morning. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Come on. Come on. Amen. Come on. <laughs> Amen. You have something to be happy about. We have a Savior. We have a Savior. Amen. Praise you, God. <laughs> Praise you, God. And you know what? It's not about how loud you yell, right? I'm not trying to get you yelling just to yell. It's about the praise that's in your heart. And I truly am overwhelmed by my God. And it's a really, truly a joy and a privilege to join with you this morning to honor and praise today, this resurrection day. You know, as believers, we say this often, I think every holiday that comes along, Christmas and Easter, you know, as believers, we carry that thanksgiving and praise and gratitude and the reality of the cross and of salvation, the resurrection of our Savior and that resurrection power. We carry that with us always. But today is a special day. Indeed, isn't it? And it's a very special time in each of our hearts. The stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. Praise the Lord, Christ is risen indeed. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And glory to God for those that have been washed in the blood and received that atoning work. His spirit lives and dwells with us always, doesn't it? Amen. Amen. So we do, we gather in joy this morning as we celebrate our resurrected Savior. He is alive and well, and he's forever seated at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for us. And again, for those that have been redeemed, right, and have experienced salvation, it's one thing to hear about it, isn't it? There's a song that, or in a scripture that says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. <laughs> let them say so. And when that has happened, you know when you've been redeemed. You know when you've been washed in the blood of Christ. You know when your sins have been forgiven. Amen. And we know, as the word of God tells us, that when that happens, that nothing can pluck us from his hand. Nothing. Nothing, that we're joined with him for all eternity. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Amen. Amen. So in light of the resurrection of Christ, as we gather here this morning, I'd like to first talk about the cross, <laughs> right? Can't forget, we can't talk about resurrection and separate that from the, the cross of Christ. And that atoning work that Jesus completed and provided for us there. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that who, 
whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. <clears throat> you know, in the days of Jesus, there were many crucifixions. How many know that? There were many. But there was only one cross that carried our, the only begotten Son of God. There was only one cross of Christ. There was only one Savior, only one pure and spotless Lamb, only one Jesus, who could provide the atonement, the substitution for our sins, for our inequity, our fallen nature before a holy God. Only one by whom the veil between man and God could be torn. You all know that, you know, there came a time in the Old Testament uh, when the Lord spoke to those who were making animal sacrifices to God in an act and effort to atone for sin, right? And God said, no more, no more vain offerings. The blood of lambs and goats used in representation to appease for sin were not sufficient, right? In Isaiah 1.13, the Lord spoke and he said, bring your worthless offerings no longer. And he sent himself. He sent his son. There are three and they're one, right? God sent his only begotten son. John 14.9 says, Jesus says, he who has seen me has seen the Father. And I say that to say it's important to know that God sent his son. <laughs> he sent him. And John 1, 18 says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. So again, God provided the only substitution, the only atonement for our sins through his Son, Jesus Christ. 1 John 4.10 says, In this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins, to be the substitute. Christ emptied himself. Right? Propitiation, again, means substitution. To bear upon himself, again, all of our sin, all of our iniquity, <laughs> to make the atonement before a holy God. Only God could do that. Our works can't do it. If they could, God would have said, you don't go and do a lot of good works, <laughs> right? He wouldn't have sent his only begotten son. So good works, religious acts, they don't do it. We needed a savior. And again, Christ came. He said yes, and he emptied himself. Philippians 2, 7 says, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. We know his body was broken. His blood was pure, poured out, the pure and spotless lamb of God. Isaiah 52, 14 says his visage, his person, his body <clears throat> was marred more than any other man, his form more than the sons of man, his appearance disfigured beyond human likeness. Beyond human likeness. So you would walk by that cross and you wouldn't say, is that Jesus? 
you would say, what is that? Is that a man? But God isn't trying to make us sad this morning. Because <laughs> the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him. Jesus was passionate to do these things, to make the way for our salvation. And we need to reflect on that. <laughs> he was passionate. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising this, the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus saw the prize. What was he joyful about? <laughs> the cross was a real experience. It wasn't a joyful thing. <laughs> but the joy, what Jesus saw, it was a joy to him because what did he see? What was he looking at? What was his purpose? He knew. He saw the prize. He saw the way of salvation that was being made open through his sacrifice, the completed work that was being achieved, and the many souls that would be redeemed and joined with God for all eternity. Luke 12:32 says, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And, you know, we live in a day where, where, well, I guess the narrow way has always been something <laughs> that can be rejected by men. But I wanted to say, who did God, through Jesus, make a way to salvation through the finish of the work of the cross? To who? To us? What does the word say? To whosoever, Right? will call upon the name of the Lord to whosoever will believe. So that narrow way is an open way. <laughs> it's an open way. It's an open invitation to all who will call upon his name, all who will receive him. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore he also uh, is able to save to the uttermost. Right? I love to reflect on my salvation. I love to sit there and remember. You know, and I, you know, well, I won't go into it because I'll get caught up in that, but where God extended his hand to me, <laughs> right? So when we think about, you know, well, can God forgive that or can God forgive this? Is there this sin or that sin? Sin is sin before God. The Bible says your sin is are, are as scarlet before me, right? But he said he's able to save to the uttermost, to the uttermost, again, whosoever shall call upon his name, those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And um, we are going to get to another part of our message, but God isn't talking, um, again, about us doing good works. He was our substitute. He's talking about receiving Christ only as the only way to salvation, <laughs> the only atonement for our sin. And Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us in, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Amen. You know, and as we reflect upon the cross and we reflect upon that day, you know that Jesus hung on a cross between two thieves, right? 
as, a, as the sin, sinless, spotless lamb, he who had committed no wrong, right? But to this point, as he was being mocked, spit upon, blasphemed, all of the things that happened there on that cross, one of them, one of the men by his side, acknowledging in his heart who Christ was, he said, Jesus, remember me in your kingdom. And Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Amen. And again, praise God. Christ was resurrected from the dead as he said he would be. The stone was rolled away. Again, the tomb was empty. Acts 2.24 says, But God raised him from the dead, releasing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for him to be held in its clutches. Amen. And how many know when you're saved and you're washed in the blood of the Lamb, <laughs> the same goes for you. Oh, death, where is your sting that we were singing this morning? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. He overcame death, hell, and the grave. We have a lot to rejoice about. <laughs> we have a lot to rejoice about. Don't let the enemy, don't let your flesh get you focused on the natural. <laughs> Amen. We have a lot to be rejoicing for. Jesus is the fulfillment and the, meteor of the mediator of the new and everlasting covenant through the finished work of the cross. As he said, it is finished. It is finished. It was accomplished there. Again, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. And I would just like to read uh, out loud while we're uh, speaking this morning. Isaiah 53, 4 through 6, speaking of the cross, says, Surely he, Jesus, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, the punishment for our peace that should have been upon us, God says, was placed upon him. And by his stripes were healed. It says, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. All. Everybody say all. <laughs> it means all here, too. <laughs> Everywhere you see all, it means all. All we, like ship, sheep, have gone astray. We turned every one of us to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And if you haven't received this salvation, if you're here with us this morning, if you're watching online and the Lord is pulling on your heart today, Say yes to him. Say yes to him. Say yes to him. Say, Lord, like that thief on the cross, Jesus, I recognize who you are, and I say yes. And if that's you, we would like to pray with you following service. Um, and as I was preparing for this message, the Lord kept putting two particular scriptures on my heart. Um, and I kept lifting up to him and going, you sure that's for today? <laughs> but, you know, he kept doing that. And we need to listen to the Lord and we need to follow his Holy Spirit. Amen. And uh, so, and what they're going to be speaking to us about is the anointing of the life surrendered to God, the follower of Christ and the fruit and the movings that come by his Holy Spirit. So God says, yes, I, I want you to, to honor and, and recognize and, and worship the one true living God, but I want you as believers to carry this in your life, to carry this in your life. Um, the same spirit as the word of God says that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells in us. 
doesn't it? Amen. And I was, well, we were worshiping this morning and just reflecting on a, a bunch of things. And the Lord did, he brought me back to when he put his hand upon my life in a powerful way. Um, and something he spoke to me way back then, you know, when we start looking at ourselves and saying, God, I'm, I mean, I am like not remotely worthy to be <laughs> coming up and sharing your word. And he said, you're a trophy of my grace. You are a trophy of my grace. Amen. That's a new and living way to look at, at your life, isn't it? <laughs> a trophy of his grace. A trophy of his redemption. A trophy of his redemptive work and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that goes for all, all who've been redeemed, all who have been saved, you know what I'm talking about. So the first scripture that he kept speaking was in John 12, 24. It says, most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Of course, Christ the Bible says he was the firstborn among many brethren, wasn't he? This is part of the joy that was before him, <laughs> that there would be many sons coming to glory through his death and resurrection. Amen? He gave his life as a ransom for many, as Mark 10, 45 states. And so... The seed, we want to think about that and meditate uh, on that for a moment. The seed must die. And so for us, that means dying to self, doesn't it? Once we've received that grace of the cross, the Bible says freely we've received, freely give. Dying to self, being a follower of Christ, which I'll talk a little bit more about in a bit. The other scripture that I kept hearing him say is Ecclesiastics 11.1. 1 that says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Other translations say, cast your grain, which of course is what bread is made of. And so if you study that scripture out, you know it can be speaking of resources, can be speaking of a lot of things, but today God is speaking about sowing through a yielded life, trusting God and seeing him do what only he can do by the power of the Holy Spirit. Following in the ways of our Savior, being poured out as Christ was poured out. And again, he's not talking about works or deeds. He's talking about the surrendered life, the life that will say yes to God, the life that will take up its cross daily, as he said to, right? He said, anyone who desires to follow me must take up their cross daily. So being a disciple, being a brethren, being a follower, and seeing the fruit that can only be brought by the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, to reiterate, God says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells in us. Seeing mountains moved, seeing lives transformed, saved by the power of Almighty God. I've had the amazing experience the past few months. I won't even share the testimony right now because it's unfolding, but to see what God does through a yielded life 
is staggering <laughs> to see what he does that you cannot do, that you cannot do as he carries forth his purposes, as he puts the, the anointing follows uh, and the resurrection and his own testimony goes and proceeds as we yield to him and he brings about his purposes through, again, works that only the Holy Spirit can do, only he can do. <laughs> and I don't think there's any greater joy there is no greater joy than sitting back and watching God do what only he can do, that resurrection power. And as we get in agreement and yield to him in our lives and our prayers and our God, the Bible says to pray without ceasing, doesn't it? <laughs> but how can we do that? How can we can't sit all day and pray, but we can because we're in fellowship with him. So being in fellowship with Jesus, being in fellowship with the Lord all the time, that our hearts and our prayers and our, our dreams, our ambitions, our hopes, our everything become in, uh, yielded to him. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that scripture, cast your bread upon the waters, because he just kept saying it. <laughs> All right, well, you know, so I brought, I do, I have a piece of bread. Oops, sorry, <laughs> So what would happen if we put this bread in water? It gets soggy, then eventually what? It'll just fall apart, right? So do you ever hear that scripture and say, God, what are you talking about? I mean, you get it, you know, cast it, and we'll see you come back. I think I get the concept, but why are you saying that? Do you know? Um, so I, I looked into it a bit more and did some studying, did a, a bit of digging, if you will. Um, and again, yeah, so bread, of course, that would just dissolve. Um, so what I learned is that, you know, back in the days of Christ and, and still to this day, Israel, of course, has a very Mediterranean climate. It rains heavy through the winter, then there's several months that are very dry. There's no rain. And then around... The fall, October, November, the rain begins again, and that's known as the former rain. And these former rains, as they come, if you can picture very hard-baked, very dry ground having water come upon it, it begins to pool on top of the water, on top of the, the hard ground. Um, and the, that ground is so dry that it can't be plowed. You can't do anything with it yet. So like we read about in the parable of the sowers, if the farmer went and scattered seed on that, it would just scatter away and it wouldn't bear any fruit. But as these rains begin, they come heavier and heavier and the ground begins to soften and puddles begin to form on top over the ground and the farmers at that time begin to plow. But their plows aren't big heavy duty plows. The plows are what we would call scratch plows, um, basically. And what they would do is take a very sharp stick or a copper rod, and it would be attached to an oxen. And the oxen would pull, and the farmer would lean as hard as they can on that stick as the oxen pulled and, and get that stick in the ground as far as it would go, which is not very deep. So it would be striped, if you will. Um, and again, the rains are continuing to come during this time, and so the water is sitting upon there as the ground is softening. Um, so I wanted to show you, <laughs> I, this is not actual wheat. I had worded some, but it didn't come in, but anyway. So 
if you think about the grains of wheat that the, this pastor is talking about, um, this wheat can be used for several things. It can be ground up to make bread. It can be sown to produce a harvest. It could be sold to get money to purchase needs. Or it can be eaten just as it is. They would carry it in sacks and they can eat the wheat right there. So it is bread, if you will, to, to those who are carrying it, even in its whole state. So God, in this passage, he's saying, take this resource, take this grain, take this bread, if you will, and cast it into the field, cast it onto that water that's pooling there that has just been plowed, knowing that that seed will set into the grooves and produce a harvest. Um, so all of those things could be done. And so we always have a choice with the things that God has given us. And what he's saying to us today, he's not talking about money resources or things of that nature. He's talking about the deposit of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the resurrection life. He's talking about the grace, the redemption, the power of following after him and seeing him move. He said, cast your grain Cast what you have in your hand. Cast what I've given you. If you can see, I know this, I won't be able to show it on there. And cast it upon those waters, knowing, knowing, as the scripture says, that after many days you will see the harvest. It will come. We know Jesus said he's the bread of life, right? Bread represents life and really the life that Christ that we have in him. At the Last Supper, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body. And so again, God's not talking about works, religious works or good deeds. He's talking about the things of the Spirit, to take what he's given us, to take that salvation he's giving us, to take the power of following after him, to be living epistles, to be read by men, John 12, 26 says, If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. So things like sowing in forgiveness, as we were forgiven by him, undeserved. <laughs> where else is Jesus found? All the places that Jesus has found, the place of humility, considering others are more value than ourselves surrendering to God, our will, our time, our hearts, our dreams, our desires, submitted to the hand and the power of Almighty God, knowing that in its time that will reap a harvest. I'm seeing things come to harvest that God began two decades ago <laughs> that I'm speechless by, speechless. Sowing and trusting God, awaiting his time, timing, in prayer and intercession. You know, I think about the parable, the minas, the parable, the talents, right? Where they had something and one servant um, went and invested it, that it would yield a greater harvest with interest, right? Again, God's not talking to us about money this morning, but the other one went and hid it, took it and held it, thinking he was doing the, treasured it, but said, oh, I, 
you know, my master would want me to retain this and hold on to it and protect it. But when the master returned, he said, you wicked servant, <laughs> why did you not do something that bring an increase, to bring an increase? So um, this, is the, this is the concept that God's speaking to us about, to be willing to take up our cross, to crucify our flesh, that God might be glorified in our lives again, that you're a trophy of his grace. <laughs> What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, how about when I'm out in the world and, and things are happening, right, and worldly things are happening, and I'm around people that are doing things that aren't great or there are, there are things that might afflict me, but I choose the way of the cross and I choose to honor God in those situations, right? That when they're happening, there can be a cost to it. There can be a cost to it. There can appear to be a cost to it. But, but there's a fruit that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit through that that you can't do, <laughs> that I can't do, but God can do. And it's amazing. <laughs> to be a testimony, to have a, what we might call a real deal walk. A real deal walk. How many, how many people who have been saved? How many people have been saved that people, you're a living epistle to people in your life? You're a living epistle. You might say, well, it's been 10 years. Well, uh, <laughs> I don't care how long it takes. You're a living epistle, and they're seeing your life. They're seeing the testimony of Christ. They're seeing the reality of Christ, and the anointing is upon it, and it will bear fruit. It bears fruit. The Holy Spirit bears fruit. 2 Corinthians 2.15, 17 says, the aroma, that we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. That's powerful. <laughs> That's powerful. Hey, but we might be in a situation where that doesn't feel so good at the moment when we decide to follow God or to be a, a true Christian in the sight of some things. It might not feel good, but you need to know we're the aroma of Christ to those that are being saved and those who are perishing. <laughs> and we need to trust God. That's why he's saying, cast your grain, cast it upon the waters, cast it, because in many days you will see the harvest. In many days you will see, cast it, knowing. You know, an interesting thing about a seed is that the growth is within it, right? We plant it, we water, we do all those things, but the, the, it's contained in of itself, and that growth occurs. So trusting him, trusting him. God wants to, God wants to reveal himself to, to all. <laughs> And he's called his believers to, be, again, be the living epistles of Christ, the lighthouse set on a hill. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Colossians 3.1 says, If then you being raised with Christ... You were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Amen. Seeking first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, knowing he is trustworthy in all things. In all things. You know, as we begin to close, um, you know, I think of Jesus at the Last Supper. We had a beautiful night the other night. We came and gathered on Good Friday. And um, 
That's what it felt like. It felt like we were the disciples sitting in the room with the Lord and we took communion. But, you know, he held up that bread and he said, this is my body. Take and eat. Um, and that he is the bread of life again. And we're not the Savior, but we, we have been redeemed by the Savior. And that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells in us. And God wants us to have that same spirit in us, to cast our grain upon the water, to be willing to cast our bread upon the waters <laughs> that he might be, that he might do again what only he can do. And so I, as we're closing, I did want to give us a chance to respond this morning. Again, first... First, to give honor and praise and glory to our risen Savior. Amen. For those who may be hearing this message of the provision of Christ, our Savior, for the first time, or God's pulling on your heart, the atonement that was provided through that finished work of the cross, again, to say yes, to say yes to the Lord. His arm is not short. <laughs> His arm is not short. And to those of us who God is speaking about hearing the message of the power of the surrendered life, the life willing to, to sow as Christ was sown, to consider others of more value, to be willing to take up our cross daily in trusting and knowing that God will bear the fruit, <laughs> that God will bear the fruit in others' lives, hearing the message of that, um, that we want to just respond He's, he's worthy, as we said, as we know. God's worthy of all our praise, all of our worship. He's worthy of it all. He was poured out. He gave himself for the joy that was set before him. I, and God wants to hear us today. It is a joy. It's a joy. We hear about taking up our cross, and we think, oh, boy, it's one of those messages. No. When we get in that place with the Lord, you see the joy of it. It is a joy because we know we know the fruit that will come by the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it is a joy. It is a joy. And it is a joy to get in the place of agreement with the Lord and be in that place with him and to see the harvest come. And it will come. God is not a man that he should lie. He is faithful. His desire is. Remember, he broke the bread and he fed thousands, <laughs> right? thousands and thousands. God is looking to reveal himself in this earth, and he's going to do it, is doing it through you. So amen. I, I did have a um, song that I wanted to, to put on, if it works, and just to give us a chance to respond to the Lord. To the Lord. You know, our walks are with him. They're with him. And, and Lord, so we just, I just want to pray this morning, God, <laughs> We thank you. We thank you that you are the bread of life. You are our resurrected Savior. You're forever seated at the right hand of God, Lord. And we marvel, Father, that you are the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Lord, you are the one who is with us always. You are our strength. You are our comforter. Lord, we just praise you for that. We thank you for your words, your words of truth and life. 
God, your words of truth, Father, and we're, we want to bear fruit for your kingdom. Lord, you were the firstborn among many brethren, Lord, and we partner, we want to partner with you to see many uh, come to the saving knowledge of Christ. We thank you for the testimony that each and every one who has received you, God, each and every one is a living epistle to be read by men. <laughs> How beautiful that is. God, we pray a transformation on our mindsets right now, Father, that we even see things differently. God, we see things differently, that it be the joy that is set before us. God, the joy that is set before us, Lord, to know Father, the power of the resurrection, the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that moves, Father, through the life of your disciples, God, through the lives of those who will be found where you're found, Lord, God, to be with you, God, to walk with you always. So we praise your name this morning, God. We praise your name this morning. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for our Savior. <laughs> we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.